Today we'll talk about the way of being of the means to being successful in the study and practice that we discussed yesterday. As we said yesterday, it's necessary to have a sufficient motive or appetite. And while it is necessary to have sufficient motive, it also is important to see what direction the motivation is heading, whether it's an economic motivation or a social motivation or moral or religious or whatever. Whatever direction our motive is moving, then our appetite will proceed in that direction. And then we may not be successful in achieving our goal if the motive is pointed in the wrong direction. And so, and so we must have, <clears throat> in order to have a proper motivation, we need a correct understanding of what it is we need and about the thing that we ought to get from life. This is necessary if we are going to have a wise motivation. Now we, we might not really know what this life is, what it's about, and what its purpose is. We might not know this, although most of us think that we do. And in fact, it's likely that we don't yet understand correctly what life is and what its purpose is. And so this is a very important thing to consider, what life is, its purpose, and so on. <clears throat> now we can say that this purpose of life is to get the best thing that a human being should get, to get the highest thing that a human being should get. And we might even be able to give a name to this thing. For example, if we're a Christian, we might call it God. But although we can name it, we may not have any real understanding of what it really is. For example, in Christianity, we might say that the best thing we can get from life is to be with God. However, or a Buddhist might say that it's to have Nibbana. But just being able to name it doesn't mean we really know what it is. And sometimes we we don't believe that life can be improved or developed according to the Dhamma and the teachings of religion. Many of us don't think that our life can be totally transformed through, through Dhamma. We often think that life just has to be the way it is now, the way we're carrying on and 
the way things are now, that this is how life must always be. And when we believe that life can't change or can't be developed, then of course there's no way that it can change or be developed. We need to firmly believe that this life is something given by nature in a way that can be developed according to our needs. It's just like basic natural resources that we find in the world. They're there in a raw form, but these can be transformed according to our needs if we understand the rules and laws of such things. And so in the same way, life has been given by nature in a form that is ready to be developed according to our needs. In the ancient language of India, <clears throat> there's a phrase, chiwita wohara, chiwita wohara, which means the business of life or the commerce of life. Chiwita means life and wohara means to trade, to engage in commerce or to have a business. And what this means is life is our basic capital with which we set up a business and then we engage in trade or we carry out our business in whatever form in order to make a profit from our basic investment. This we call Chiwito Wohara, which points out that life as we receive it is just a basic stake and then it's up to us to develop it further and make a profit out of this life. Now of course there are two kinds of profit. The first kind of profit or business <clears throat> to, to make the profit is material. There are all kinds of material gains and benefits of which everyone is quite familiar. The other kind of profit is mental or spiritual. The first kind everyone knows about more than well enough and there's no need for us to say anything more about the material, physical profits obtainable from life. However, an understanding of the spiritual profits are, is quite lacking, and so it's necessary to talk further on this aspect. On the material side, it's quite simple. It's a matter of having money and wealth, having necessary status and influence, and having good friends. For a person in their old age, having these things will make one quite satisfied, and that's 
that's good enough on the material side of life. But that's not enough on the spiritually. One realizes that there's still something spiritual to be gained from life, to be realized. And so we must do our best. We must look deeply in order to to gain the spiritual profit from life. For example, we can read in the papers about millionaires in this world who have plenty of money, who've been very successful in material business, have acquired lots of money, they've got family, they have friends, and even good health. And we see them, even those that are healthy and have lots of good friends, that they still live with a lot of fear. For example, that something will happen and their money will disappear. Or when their wife or children or a child or someone dies, they get very upset and cry. And then they also live with a sense of always having to compete with others in order to protect their investments and their money and their empire and everything else. This this points out that they still have not been successful in the spiritual business of life. No matter how successful their material business, they have still quite a bit to learn and to accomplish in terms of their spiritual business. Although they are living in heaven, they live in heaven with the fear that they may, they might fall out of heaven or the fear that God will kick them out of heaven. They're still living there in heaven with <clears throat> being attached to the positive and the negative. And so although they're in, a, in heaven physically, Spiritually, they're, they're not in such good shape. You ought to know what the problems of life are. Their names are greed, anger, hatred, fear, excitement, worry and anxiety, envy, jealousy, long possessiveness, sexual possessiveness, longing after the past, boredom. These are a few examples. Even the millionaire or the angel up in heaven can still have these, these problems. And so the one in heaven even still has not completed their spiritual business. As long as any of these problems remain, the problems of, such as greed, anger, hatred, fear, worry, and so on, as long as any of these remain in even the least little way, then our spiritual business is, is not yet completely successful and we still have some work to do.
only when we see these problems and then have a sincere desire to be free of them or to raise our lives up above all these problems. Only then will we have a sufficiently strong and pure appetite for Dhamma. That means to the best thing that one can get in life is to be above all these problems, to have a life that is beyond all these problems, beyond all of the power and influence of positive and negative. A life that is free <clears throat> is no longer is free of and no longer trapped in any of the dualities in pairs of opposites, the positive and the negative, the good and the bad, and so on and so forth. This is the best thing that we can get from life. Is this something that has ever occurred to you? Have you ever thought in this way or, or had this, this feeling that this is the best thing that we can get from life? And with <clears throat> a very pure mind, let's, let's ask ourselves, have we ever looked at life in terms of the four aspects of study or suksa that we discussed yesterday? In our life so far, have we ever really approached life in this way? Have we, have we looked deeply inside ourselves? Have we seen what's going on inside ourselves? And have we then understood what's happening inside ourselves? And then from that understanding, practice according to the truth that we see within ourselves. Have we ever looked at life in this way before? For the most part, instead people just look at, we're going to go to school and we're going to study our best in order to get good grades so that we can get a job when we graduate and then we're going to find a good husband or wife so that we have a good marriage that looks good in the eyes of the community and then we're going to establish ourselves so we're materially secure and so we have so people admire us and respect us and so on and so forth for the most part this is how people look at life they see it they look just in these various aspects. Modern people have come up with some variations on these themes, but it's still just the same basic way of looking at things. Or maybe some of you have tried out the hippie experience, which was an attempt to look at life in inwardly, but unfortunately there wasn't much understanding about how to do it, and so it ultimately failed. The experiment didn't ever achieve what it really set out to do and got 
and in many ways got confused and and twisted. In Thai, there's an idiom which is spoken of quite very frequently. It has a lot of value in Thailand. We're not sure if there's an appropriate English idiom for this, but it's to waste one's life, to waste one's life or to not waste one's life. This is something that Thais are very concerned with, that they've been given life and don't want to waste it. So this is of great value to them to, to not waste one's life, to waste it or to not. This is an important question. If one is a Christian, then one and has come to live with God or gone to live with God or whatever. Or if one is a Buddhist and has realized Nibbana, then this is to have not wasted one's life. However, if we're still living with stress and suffering, if our life is still stuck in the swamp and mud of dukkha, then we have not yet, we're not yet to a point where we can say that we haven't wasted our lives. Even if one is a millionaire or a billionaire, but is still caught up in all the problems of greed, anger, hatred, fear, worry, excitement, envy, boredom, and so on, then one is, one is still wasting one's life. Have you ever <clears throat> had a minute, a minute of your life, that was free of all influence of positive and negative. Have you ever experienced one minute where there was no sense of anything being positive or negative, where the mind wasn't influenced and pushed and pulled by the positive and negative for even a minute? If you have, if you've ever had an experience, if you've ever experienced this, then that's quite special and wonderful. But for most of us, life is constantly under the influence of positive-negative, being pushed and pulled this way and that way, constantly. If it's not the positive, then it's the negative, and if not the negative, then the positive, over and over again, up and down, back and forth. Now, some people might think, well, when I'm asleep, this cannot, though, be taken as any kind of a standard because, first of all, when we're asleep, we're not even fully conscious. For the most part, we're not conscious at all. So this does not count as an experience that is free of positive and negative. And further, while asleep, we, we dream and in our dreams, we just take all our old habits and attachments to the positive and negative and work them out in our, in our dreams. 
So while asleep, we're not free of the positive and the negative also. If we've ever been free of it for a minute, then we've experienced the best thing that there, there is in life. But many of us have not ever had even a minute of this kind of freedom. This means that we still don't know the meaning of the words religious emancipation. We may have heard about emancipation or salvation or even liberation, but don't know their meaning. For as long as our minds are under the influence and power of the positive and the negative, then we do not know the meaning of religious emancipation, no matter what we've read about or thought about. <clears throat> Whatever the religion, if there is true emancipation or salvation, then the only correct meaning of this is to be free of the positive and the negative. Otherwise, it's not really any kind of emancipation. Is this something that you have known yet? Religious emancipation in the fullest, most correct sense of the word. To be free, emancipated from all influence of positive and negative. If you are successful in studying dependent origination <clears throat> and then are successful, are genuinely successful in practicing mindfulness with breathing, then you will experience for yourself true religious emancipation. A little example of this is have you ever, for a few moments in your daily life, been free of, of gladness and sadness? Has there been a few moments, a few minutes, a little bit of time where our minds are void or free from sadness and gladness? Now, nobody can put up with sadness for long, and everyone prefers gladness. But there's something still better, to be above, beyond all sadness and gladness. This is far better. We can call this to be void. When the mind is void, or this voidness of mind, this total freedom of mind, from gladness and sadness is even better. If, if we know this, even in terms of this small example, if we know this, then we'll understand the meaning of a life that is emancipated. We'll understand, we'll have some sense of what it means to to have succeeded in our spiritual business. But what about all the drugs that are so, so prevalent in the modern world, which are so popular with modern people? 
Are there any drugs that will make us stop feeling sad and glad? Even if there was one drug somewhere that if we took a pill or whatever and it stopped all feelings of sadness and gladness, this still isn't what we're looking for because this, to have to depend on some drug to do it, is not to be free from the power of sadness and gladness. And so it's not, even such a, a drug is not what we're looking for. When people are all excited or whatever by marijuana or opium or coke or whatever, in these moments are they, are they totally beyond all sadness and gladness? Or the, the nice places we visit, the beautiful views by the ocean or in the mountains or all the exotic spots we go to. Is this, is this free from gladness and sadness? Even while sleeping, we're under the influence of these things all the time in a subconscious way. And so, please come and study dependent origination. Study it until it's understood well, and then train with mindfulness, with breathing. Train in this until we have the ability to practice according to our understanding of dependent origination. Then our minds will be, will be free from, will be above all this power and influence of positive and negative, of sadness and gladness, and all the other things that are keeping us so busy. So this, so now we have an adequate inspiration or attitude and motivation for practice. This is what gives us understanding this what we've been talking about provides us with a proper <coughs> and sufficient motivation. But still, once there is that, we also need to get ourselves ready to prepare ourselves for practice. The very first thing we need in our preparation are certain disciplinary rules and disciplinary trainings these are very basic preparation to eliminate some of the cruder influences of the positive and negative upon us. So when we ask you to follow certain rules, please don't think that you're losing any freedom in doing so. In fact, you're not that free in the first place if you're still under the power of positive and the negative. This gives you certain disciplinary rules will provide you with a starting point. And so we ask you to keep them very sincerely and faithfully, to, to eat at the proper times and be satisfied with the food that's provided to, to live and sleep in the simple way that we have here 
to follow the schedule to the best of your ability, to keep the silence strictly. <clears throat> These are all tools to help us. And most of all, please take very seriously the various rules and customs that, are to, that we have to eliminate <clears throat> the arising of sexual feelings and sexual interactions. Please take all of these seriously and follow them. This will provide a basic level of preparation. Now these various rules that we ask you to follow, please take a good look at them and see whether you're losing freedom or gaining freedom. Many people don't look at this carefully and assume that they're losing some freedom. We'll take a very simple example. Here, we, we forbid people to smoke cigarettes. And some people go and think that they're losing some freedom. Look at this one carefully. When you don't smoke cigarettes, are you losing freedom or gaining it? When we're unable to smoke cigarettes, are we losing freedom or gaining it? Although it may seem to some of you that you're losing some freedom, in fact, when you don't smoke cigarettes, you're gaining freedom from the power of cigarettes. And it works in the same way for sexual behavior, for our tendency to follow our own desires or whatever is convenient or whatever we like to do. It works the same way for all of these other habits and addictions that we have accumulated. So please look at this one carefully, whether the rules provide us, whether the rules take away our freedom or give us freedom. Such as over at Sunmok International, where the retreat is, we have separate dormitories for the men and for the women. Everyone doesn't stay together all mixed up like in a hotel. Look at this. Is this losing freedom or gaining it? And we've, we've gone back to living in caves. Over there, our, our rooms are like caves, just like in the, the old days, thousands of years ago, when people lived in caves. Does this take away our freedom or give us freedom? Please consider this carefully. So please consider these things carefully until you are content to use these rules as a basic preparation so that you can study and practice on a higher level in order to achieve ultimate freedom. Here we're going to give up what in Thai is called eating well and living well, which might be something like to eat, drink, and be merry. We give up the luxurious life of satisfying our material and sensual desires in order to just, in a very simple way, eat well enough, 
live well enough. Many people want always to live well and eat well, and this has no limit. It gets, it grows and grows. But here we're satisfied with a simple eating well enough and living well enough, because this will provide us with freedom to get on with more important business. So when you're, when you're here at Suanmok or across at Suanmok International, please look at it as being another world. Consider yourself to be living in, a, in another world. But this special world is one that's there to help us to climb up out of all the worlds in order to be above all worlds. Please try to see, see the place where you're staying in this way. So let's talk a little bit about sufficiency. We need to have sufficient food, a sufficiently decent place to stay, sufficiently good health. These are all things which you should prepare and arrange. Here at Sun Mok, we, we try to have food which is good enough, but it's not too fancy or luxurious, but it's good enough to keep us alive and healthy. And we have a place to stay. It's not fancy or luxurious, but it protects us from the rain and the wind and allows us to continue practicing. We need to get adequate exercise so that our bodies are functioning properly and are healthy. These are all things for us to arrange so that we get where things are good enough, are well enough. Or there's a principle we once read in a, a book written by a Westerner, the principle of plain living and high thinking. Plain living and high thinking to put set our sights on higher goals. This is something that you since that you all probably understand already. Please think of this while you stay here. We who organize these courses have selected various teachings, instructions, and information which is sufficient and appropriate for your use. It's neither excessive nor, nor incomplete. We will be talking about dependent origination in sufficient detail and then mindfulness with breathing so that you will all be able to have a good enough understanding of these matters even though we only have 10 days. So please don't look on any of these things as difficult or even as easy. Just see them as good enough, as sufficient, as appropriate for what we need to do. If you take your own life as the, the focus, if you study your own life 
in the four ways that we've we've been talking about then all the things we say about dependent origination will not be so difficult for those who have already observed their own life who have looked into their own life an understanding of dependent origination will occur naturally and so please set about looking carefully at your own life then you won't have to have headaches and all kinds of confusion trying to understand dependent origination you'll under the understanding will come out of yourself you won't have to depend on others for your understanding of dependent origination the conditions if you look deep inside if you look inside you'll see the conditions of dependent origination clearly every atom and molecule of the body has shares the conditions of dependent origination even on the coarse level of our physical bodies and structures even there we can see if we look the conditions of dependent origination so the key is to really look inside to with proper motivation with with sincerity to to look inside and then dependent the conditions of dependent origination will become steadily more clear to us we don't know will will the following sentence surprise you or startle you if you see bhatichas samupada if you see dependent origination then you'll see the buddha if you see dependent origination you'll see the buddha is this sound strange to you did you think that the buddha was had died 2500 years ago but the buddha spoke these words himself he said that whoever sees the dhamma sees me and whoever sees paticca samuppada dependent origination sees the dhamma whoever sees dependent origination sees the buddha whoever sees the buddha sees dependent origination until then we we don't know what the buddha is we just have a childish understanding of buddha we can look around us look around us in the external world and see all the conditions of dependent origination everything in the world is full of dependent origination we can see how things arise how they happen in this world dependent on conditions there are these conditions and things arise then there are different conditions and the things end or they quench so we can see the dependent arising and quenching the the being born and the dying of things over and over again we can see this all around us but to see this externally is no big deal it's not particularly skillful or anything important 
for it to really be deep and significant, we need to see these conditions of dependent origination of how things arise and cease. We need to see this within ourselves. We need to see it in all the atoms and molecules of our bodies, in all the thoughts and feelings and experiences of our minds, to see how everything in this life, all the elements that have come together in this life, how all of them are expressing the conditions of dependent origination. How, especially, and what is crucial in this, not to approach it theoretically, but to see the very practical matter of how suffering arises and how suffering quenches. To observe and see the dependent origination of suffering and how it dependently quenches as well. This is the crucial matter to see within ourselves. And this is what we'll be focusing our attention on over at Sunmok International. We'll be looking into this in more detail. So this, what this means is we need to observe in ourselves using all four aspects of, of siksa. Please don't forget the four aspects of looking, looking, seeing, seeing, knowing, and then practicing. For to be complete, there must be all four of these aspects. So in this way, we look and we see how, how greed, how greed arises how in a dependently conditioned way greed arises and then how it quenches in a dependent way and then how anger arises dependent on conditions and then <clears throat> eventually quenches in a dependently conditioned way to observe how fear arises dependent on conditions and how it dependently quenches how excitement arises dependently is through a process of conditioning and then quenches through a different process of conditioning. To observe all these things as they dependently arise and as they dependently quench, this is what we must study inside ourselves. To observe things to study things in this way leads to proper motivation and to a real appetite for, for study and practice. So please be patient with yourselves and with things. Please summon up some strength and endurance in order to study these things in the right way in order to acquire enough motivation and an appetite for practice. Please don't see anything as being a, an oppression or impingement on your freedom, but rather see them as tools to help you to find greater freedom. Now let's, let's go back to a very important subject 
and look at it in more detail. We'd like to talk some more about the final goal. To understand this correctly will help us quite a bit in straightening out our motivation and in wetting our appetites. So let's spend some time reconsidering the final goal. The first thing is that we will have heaven here on earth, right here and now. We'll have the kingdom of God right here and now. There will be Nibbana right here and now. This is the first aspect of the final goal. If it's not here and now, it's just a fake, it's just a con job. We're only interested, the real thing is, must be right here, right now. No other place, no other time. If, if somebody is talking about something being after we die, about going someplace after death, they're not talking about Buddhism. Or if they claim to be a Buddhist, then they've gone and got something non-Buddhist. They've borrowed it from some other religion or something and confused it with Buddhism. This is because, or you can see this clearly if you understand that the problems, all the problems that create suffering are right here and now. The problems are here. So what what does after we die have anything to do with getting free of our problems? The problems are here, and so the solution must be right here and now. If, it's, if there's any talk about getting something after we die, that, that has nothing to do with Buddhism. Or this business of reincarnation that many people like to talk about. You should know right from the start that this business isn't at all relevant to Buddhism. It's off the subject. It's just something that people entertain themselves with. So you don't have to spend any time on that. However, we ought to point out that there's a different kind of reincarnation that not the sort of reincarnation that you're born, your body dies, and then there's another reincarnation someplace. There's a whole other kind of reincarnation, the kind that can happen many times in one minute, the kind of reincarnation that can happen hundreds of times in one day. If you're interested in, in this kind of reincarnation, it can be of some use to you. But the way that the kind of reincarnation that everyone's talking about has nothing to do with Buddhism and is not of any real use to you. So instead we, we should be talking about a spiritual birth. There's no need to talk about physical birth. We're talking about a spiritual birth. If one thinks like a gentleman, then one is born a gentleman, one right here and now. If one thinks like a criminal, then one is born a criminal immediately. If we think like a cow, then we're a cow right here. If we think like a dog, 
then we're a dog immediately. We're born a dog. If we think like an angel, then we're born as an angel. If we think like a devil, we're born like a devil down in hell. However we think, whatever state the mind in, is in, that is what, that is how we are born. This, ha- this spiritual birth happens many, many times in a day. It happens over and over again. This is the kind of birth or rebirth that we should be interested in because it's the one that's directly relevant to our lives right now. The other kind of thing, it happens, it's, it's not happening, so why should we be so worried about it? It's this kind of rebirth of right here and now that is crucial, this spiritual birth. If we understand, if we practice correctly, we'll come to the final goal, which is to have all birth take place in a wise way. What this means is every time we think, experience, any time there's any kind of a feeling arising, let it be thoughts, feelings, experience that is beyond the influence of positive and negative. All the common birth that's going on is totally enslaved to positive and negative. But the final goal is that all thoughts, feelings, experiences, and so on are all these, the birth of all these things is free of the power of positive and negative. This is, this is what it means to be born in the kingdom of God, right here and now. This is what it means to, to go to Nibbana or to realize Nibbana. This, this kind of reincarnation happens so many times in a day that you could never count it. If you're, this is the kind of reincarnation that is of value to you. This is the kind you ought to be interested in. That kind of reincarnation that they talk about in the books that the Western writers, there are all these Western European American writers and scholars writing about Buddhism. That kind of reincarnation you can just throw out the window, you can toss it away because that's not reincarnation as taught in Buddhism. That's reincarnation as understood in other religions and then that's being confused with Buddhism. So there's no need for you to spend your time on that kind of reincarnation. Instead, learn about the Buddhist reincarnation, the kind that happens many times in a day. It even can happen many times in one minute. If we are interested in this, then we should also practice mindfulness with breathing. If we practice mindfulness with breathing successfully, then we will be able to control all this birth, all this reincarnating can be controlled so that it happens, so it doesn't happen in a way that leads to suffering.
Here in Thailand, we have to endure all kinds of hardship about this thing because his, historically the Hindus or the Brahmins came here before Buddhism. And so the Hindu teaching came here first and the teaching spread throughout the Thai people of this, this Hindu idea of reincarnation and rebirth. And then Buddhism came here later. And ever since, it's been very difficult to get anybody to understand the Buddhist teaching on reincarnation. The Hindu approach is very simple. It's anyone can understand it. It's very positive. It's got something that people really want to believe in. It's very attractive. It's even comforting. And people find a lot of security in it. So it's very difficult to get people to to pay attention to the Buddhist teaching on rebirth or on reincarnation. So even here in Thailand, in a supposedly Buddhist country, even amongst people who call themselves Buddhists, who have been born Buddhists and wear Buddha images around their necks, it's difficult to get them to understand the Buddhist kind of reincarnation. Further in talking about the final goal, all of you should get yourselves ready to receive the diploma of the Buddha. In Thai, when you graduate university, you get a barinya, a diploma. And the Buddha also used this word, barinya. But the diploma of Buddhism, the diploma that you get when you graduate from the Buddha's school, is, as the Buddha said himself, the, there are three of them. The first is to be free of raka, lust, or greed. The second is to be free of tosa, hatred. And the third is to be free of moha, delusion or stupidity. One should prepare oneself to get these three diplomas, that of being free of greed, the diploma of being free of hatred, totally free, totally free, and the diploma of being absolutely free of delusion, confusion, and stupidity. Please do everything that you must so that you can receive these three diplomas from the Buddha's school. Even if we have the ordinary kind of diploma, the, kind, the piece of paper that we hang on our walls that we get from the different universities in the world or the other schools and institutes in such places. Even with this paper diplomas, our lives can still be hot. Our lives probably aren't yet cool. They can still be hot with, with greed, hatred, and delusion. Sometimes our lives are even more hot because we have these diplomas. Sometimes they cause more problems than they, they solve. And so we ought to get ourselves ready 
to get the other kind of diploma, the kind of diploma where life doesn't bite its owner, the kind of diploma that brings coolness, peace, and, and genuine freedom. Next, we'd like to talk about the sign or characteristics of having, having received these three diplomas. The one who has gotten these diplomas will have a char- the characteristic of what we call a dhammayata. A dhammayata. A dhammayata is the state of mind where nothing can concoct it, can influence it, can affect it. The mind that is totally unconcoctable, totally unaffectable. It can't be influenced, it can't be messed up, it can't, nothing can be done to it. This we call a dhammayata. The one who has this is called a dhammayo. The one with a dhammayata is a dhammayo or the, the arahant, the one who has finished with all problems, who is completely free. This is the characteristic of having received the three diplomas. He wants the best possible translation for the word adhammayata. Unconcoctability is the mind that is unconcoctable. We can say unconcoctability. This is adhammayata. This mind with adhammayata is so still and so solid. It's even more solid than the Himalayas. In Asia, the Himalayas are the the great the great mountains. In Europe, there are the Alps. In North America, the Rockies. And these 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 great mountains seem so solid and permanent to us. But in fact, if there's an earthquake, these mountains can move and shake, and pieces of them can fall off. Adamayada, however, is completely unshakable, completely unmovable. No matter, mountains in the world still can shake and move. But Adamayada will not move or shake or tremor, even if there's an earthquake. Nothing in the world, no object or concern in the world can make Adamayada shake or tremble. It's completely unmovable, unshakable. This unshakableness is what we mean by unconcoctability. Nothing can concoct it. Nothing can pull it out of this, this solidity or this, this freedom. Because this unshakable mind is the mind that's totally free. Nothing has power over this mind. Nothing can trick this mind, this Adamayada, ever again. If our human world has Adamayada, then it has the utmost security. 
through Adamayada, our human world can have perfect security. But instead, our world is full of all kinds of crises because they don't have any Adamayada. If you take Adamayada as your final goal, if this is what you're seeking, then your motivation towards and your appetite for the Dhamma and for Dhamma practice will, will have no limits and you won't have any problem with motivation and inspiration for practice. Another name for the final goal or another way of describing it is to, to be above the power of all things, to be above the influence of everything. Now we're under the power of everything. All these sights, sounds, smells, tastes, touches, and mental experiences have enslaved us. We're under the power of all these sense objects in the world. And so we don't have any true freedom. Our final, the final goal, however, is to be freed of the power and influence of all these sights, sounds, and so on. In Buddhism, we have a way of speaking where we say that we are the slaves of our eyes, the slaves of our nose, of our ears, we're slaves to our nose, slaves to our tongue, slaves to our body, and slaves to our, our minds, minds as a sense organ. This slavery keeps us trapped into, in everything. It keeps bringing upon all kinds of, brings all kinds of problems and difficulties into our lives. And so we need to escape or break out of this slavery and instead be above, be beyond the power of our eyes, ears, nose, tongue, body, and mind. Another thing is that we are slaves to time. Time has us enslaved. And this is a very serious headache for many of us. It creates all kinds of pressure. It pressures us, it squeezes us all the time, this slavery to time. However, we can be totally free of time. Time is nothing but desire and the non-fulfillment of our desires. There's, we have a desire, and here is the fulfillment of our desire, and the separation between our desire and its fulfillment is time. And all the while that time exists, while our desire is not yet fulfilled, that time is always squeezing us and pressuring us and putting stress on us. But when we have no desire, when we have no more of these, of no more ignorant desires, then for us, time doesn't exist. When there is time, it bites us, it chews on us, it eats us. But when, 
when there's no desire, there's no time. It can't eat us or it can't chew on us. It doesn't bite us. For us, all the clocks in the world stop moving when there is no desire. This is another way of looking at the final goal, <clears throat> to be free of time so that time no longer can bite us and eat us. Instead, to master time. If we have a Dhammayata, just like the Arahants, the fully awakened ones, then, then time cannot affect us. Time will not squeeze us or bite us. And then our minds will be free of time. And the, the clocks won't, will stop turning for us. And then one more is to be above the power of the positive and the negative to no longer be a slave to the positive and the negative. We've already talked about this one quite a bit, so just we'll just summarize it here at this time. To be to to no longer be a slave to the positive and negative. Now we come to a rather strange one, the most the most strange of all. To be above oneself, to, to no longer be a slave of oneself, to be out from under the power and influence of oneself. This is the most strange of all, but to really be free is to be free from oneself, from oneself, one's Atman, one's soul, one's spirit, whatever you want to call it to be completely above oneself. This is to be totally free when nothing has any power or influence to cause any problems or any suffering ever again. In religions where there is a God and where they talk about souls and selves, then people people seek the eternal self or the eternal soul. But in Buddhism, we don't see any soul or any real self anywhere. So in, in Buddhism, our aim, our final goal is eternal voidness, eternal voidness, the, the state that is completely free and void of self. This is the goal in Buddhism. However, the, the names may differ, eternal soul or eternal voidness, but the aim is fundamentally the same. But it, it doesn't matter if the names are different. This person sits like a Farang, this one sits like a Thai, and Ajahn Buddhadas is sitting like in India, but we still, although we sit differently, we all get the same benefit from doing so. One final point for us to make is that 
there are some exceptions for children and for newcomers that, for example, children may need a few beliefs and some superstitious practices, maybe even a few dogmas. These can be maybe necessary for children and for newcomers. But those who are really intent to practice on a deep level, and those who are, once we are successful in practice, then we'll be beyond all superstitions, all beliefs, all dogmas. But there needs to be an exception on these matters for children and for for newcomers. So if you're successful in your study, your four-way study of dependent origination, and are successful in your practice of mindfulness with breathing, then you will you will get the result of being above everything. So finally, let us express our joy that you have come here for this purpose. And all of you who have come as tourists, we implore you to leave as pilgrims. That means with the most valuable thing in your backpack. When you leave, make sure that you take with you the most valuable thing that one can find in life. We thank you for coming here with this purpose, and we also thank you for being very good listeners. Thank you for coming, and we hope you the best success in your efforts. And in your backpacks, your backpacks will be filled up with ambrosia, the, the food of the gods, to take home with you and share with your, your family and friends. You'll have trouble finding a better souvenir. So that's, that's all for today.